When we left our last teaching session, we learned that God has a controversy with Zion, with Israel, that, that it's really it's played out for the past 2,000 years. They rejected their promised Messiah, and according to the prophet Hosea, God returned to his place until the time they would acknowledge their guilt, and then they would seek his face. You know, I, I'm prompted to share something with you uh, even now, before we get started today. I, I received an email from a friend the other day that I nearly just glanced over and would have missed a very important point he was making, but I believe the Holy Spirit caused me to catch it, not only for me, but for many of you who understand the season we're approaching. And if you continue to follow the, the ministrations of this podcast, what might be the ultimate cost for embracing what some believe to be controversial Bible teachings. Uh, listen carefully to what my friend Fred London, a, a Jewish believer in Yeshua, uh, listen to what he said. It's one thing to be censored by the world, but quite another to be censored by the household of God. Boy, grab hold of that. Fred went on with this. Although it has always been thus, and, and especially ironically for those who would speak for God, it's no less grievous, and even more so, as we see prophetic events taking shape. One thing to be censored by the world, we can expect that, but it's quite another to be censored by the household of God. Fred's carefully pointing to a, a time when an apostolic and prophetic generation of believers cast aside much of the conventional wisdom of the global church regarding the rapidly occurring prophetic events preceding the return of Christ. And as a result of casting aside the, that conventional wisdom, they suffer the denunciations, the persecutions and alienations of sincere believers in Jesus that see our positions as radical and outside spiritual boundaries. You know, from a very personal perspective here, I've weighed these positions on the main and plain teachings of Scripture and what it might cost me and what it might cost my family. And I have been deeply troubled about how to communicate that cost to the Bible-believing church. And that's what I know I'm called to do. I'm called to help take restraints off the body of Christ by unfolding in the church individual spiritual potential through prophetic and apostolic evangelism, which is what the church is called to do at the end of the age. We're always called to evangelism, but it's a much higher level of evangelism that takes place under persecution and uh, all the pushback that we'll have even from the Bible-believing church. I believe that's what, uh, what Fred had in mind when he wrote this, and I believe Fred has done both of us a great service. And then no, no sooner did I receive that email from Fred, my good friend Reggie Kelly sent a post citing a recent, uh, very, very recent visit by Israeli Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu to Saudi Arabia, and he had an unprecedented face-to-face -face with the Saudi crown prince there along with the U.S. Secretary of State, who was visiting at the time. 
You'll likely uh, have not heard that before, especially on media, for obvious reasons. Nevertheless, in the context of Bible prophecy, there is significance. Reggie makes some important points regarding this whirlwind call. Threats from Iran, the possibility the new U.S. administration will resurrect the Iran nuclear deal, and the new bonds between historic enemies. As many of us know, prophecy is clear. There will be a future unprecedented security in the region before the return of the Lord. Isaiah 28.15 says so, because you've said we made, we've made a covenant with death and with Sheol, with hell. We have an agreement. When the overwhelming whip passes through, it will not come to us. For we have made lies our refuge, and in falsehood we have taken shelter. Listen to verse 18. The prophet continues, Then your covenant, then your covenant with death will be annulled, and your agreement with Sheol will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge passes through, you will be beaten down by it. Paul makes reference to it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3, while people are saying, there's peace and security. Then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Many are clearly recognizing the recent Abraham Accords are important and important heads up on the clear distinction between the, the northern and the southern nations in the Middle East. Coalitions are being formed, as we've seen among several southern neighbors, the Arab Emirates, Bahrain, and most recently the Sudan, realizing that normalization with ancient enemy Israel might not be a bad idea after all. Until recently, nothing could have seemed more unlikely. Reggie goes on and he points out that the Antichrist will exploit this new arrangement until he sees an advantage. And Daniel pointed this out 2,500 years ago. Chapter 11, verse 23. And from the time that an alliance is made with him, with the Antichrist, he will act deceitfully and he shall become strong with a small people. Verse 31. Forces from him shall appear and profane the temple and fortress, and shall take away the regular burnt offering, and they shall set up an abomination that will make desolate. This, of course, uh, leads to a counter-alliance by the Antichrist that will, without warning, strike Israel with irresistible force. True, this is a future event, but we must ask just how much future? It's clear there's a preliminary choosing of sides even now. But this is what I believe, this is what's most important to observe. Those of us who are familiar with Scripture will see these new coalitions developing in advance, just as we're seeing now, recognizing, recognizing the clear prophecies that must precede the Antichrist's invasion of Israel. I also believe these North-South coalitions will shortly lead to a number of other critical must-events, most notably the restoration of the daily sacrifice, which will ultimately demand a new temple. We see that in Revelation chapter 11, verse 2. Do not measure the court outside the temple, 
leave that out, for it's given over to the nations, and they, they will trample the holy city for 42 months. That's three and a half years. That's the great tribulation. That's the time of Jacob's trouble. John is clearly pointing to a new temple to be constructed on Temple Mount before the return of Christ. No way will the nations miss this development and express abundant praise for these groundbreaking events. But believers, born-again believers, Bible-believing believers in particular, will have the advantage. We will have the advantage to observe this monumental event and recognize it for what it is, that the recently instituted peace and safety is about to come to a sudden halt, and a man of sin is shortly to be revealed. Now, now think about it. If you and I are alive and well at this critical time, watching these prophetic signs unfold one by one, how will we not climb to the housetops and shout to the nations, no less prepare ourselves for this sudden transition that will, will make the normal means of buying and selling an impossibility for believers? Revelation 13, verse 17, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is, the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For it is the number of man, and his number is 666. Now, the mark of the beast, I'm sure, is in the top five of the end-time events that most trouble Christians. Will I take the mark? I'm so afraid I'll, I'll take it by mistake. No, you will not take it by mistake, because if you're a people of understanding, and you will be, you'll realize that mark is the sealed deal. And as John said, you won't be taking a trip to Quick Trip for milk or the local grocery store for toilet paper. Uh, <laughs> for the record, that was not a cue to go stock up. Now, let's take a moment to contemplate what this will mean for professing Christians caught completely unprepared, exposed to the deception of those days because they failed to follow Jesus' command to read and understand Daniel's prophecy. Remember, when you see the abomination, when you see him standing in the holy place, understand, understand, because there has been no other topic of prophecy that has generated more disagreement or greater controversy among scholars, leading to great confusion and ignorance among pastors and their congregations. That's what must come to an end by, by the time we get to these times when these these monumental events are taking place on the earth. A church, a wise church, a masculine church, a people of understanding who will be able to teach many and lead them into the kingdom before his coming. We must ask the question, yeah, but what are you going to do when you see a, a peace, a sacrifice, a temple, a man in the temple proclaiming? What are you going to do? It's also very important to note that Scripture shows some of the southern, moderate Islamic nations of the Arabian Peninsula, those, those nations Ezekiel points out as Sheba and Dedan, Ezekiel 38.13, Sheba and Dedan. That's modern-day Yemen and Saudi Arabia. 
Yemen, and Saudi Arabia. And the merchants of Tarshish and all of its leaders will say to you, Have you, the Antichrist, have you come to seize spoil? Have you assembled your hosts to carry off plunder, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to seize great spoil? These nations to the south, as we previously pointed out, will increasingly become victims of the northern Islamic countries, seeing a betraying betraying of the goals of the Antichrist and, and subjected to invasion and hostilities. Also, Egypt's friendly relations with Israel will likely result in the fate of the other southern nations, as we see in Isaiah 19, verse 4. And I will give over the Egyptians into the hand of a hard master, and a fierce king will rule over them, declares the Lord of hosts. And in Daniel 11.42, He, the Antichrist, shall stretch out his hand against the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. Egypt will not escape the wrath of the man of sin in those final years of the Great Tribulation. But, but read all of Isaiah 19 and get the, get the rest of the story. My friends, much to consider here. There are prophetic transitions underway in the Middle East even now. Rapid political shifts resulting in unthought of repositions toward Israel. The covenant people are, are always in center view. There's the once friendly Turkey, a northern nation that has gone from friend to foe in just the past few years, while the Gulf states to the south are slowly, and some not so slowly, softening their hostile positions on Israel and endorsing a new policy of normalization. Truly, many of the pieces of the prophecy puzzle are falling into place. So, <laughs> I guess we never really got started today, did we? At least into our study of Matthew 24. But you know, I, I don't regret a moment of this. This was of the Holy Spirit. Those emails I received were, were right on time. I believe it was meant to be the subject of the day. And everything we talked about, the coalition of nations, uh, the shifting religious and political patterns in the Middle East, the desperate need for a, a spiritual awakening that will alert the church, all of that, all of that relates directly to the subject at hand, the unprecedented nature of the Great Tribulation. When you think we actually live in such a time as this, it's quite overwhelming to realize the responsibility the Holy Spirit will require of us. And what's really amazing to me is, is that he knew exactly who would be available to lead in prayer and travail for the great revival ahead. You and me. And God wants nothing more than a willing spirit, a wholehearted yes from each one of us. In our next podcast, Lord willing, <laughs> we'll look carefully at the nature of the Great Tribulation leading to that hour of great discernment. Be with us for that. Let's pray together. Father, so much to consider here. You don't present these coming prophetic events to make us anxious, but rather to drive us to our knees. Everything by prayer and supplication, and I might add travail, the end-time cry and groaning of the Church of Jesus Christ 
for the souls of people all over the world trying to navigate confusing times now and in the future. Lord, give us a spirit of understanding that we may comprehend with all the saints the width, the length, the depth, and the height of your kingdom, and that we may be filled with the fullness of him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we dare ask, hope, dream, or desire. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Blessings, everyone, and Maranatha.